Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The connection of the word love is used in connection with the father and the son, not the love of God and people and creation. The first mention of the word love is used in the context of a father and a son. Now, of course, in an earthly sense, give me your attention, a father and a son's relationship. How many of you know this? A father and a son's relationship is very, very, very special. I mean, it just is. Anybody other than three people? Anybody? Okay, good, good. It it really is. It's a very, very special, very different relationship. Uh, We all know that. And that's why we have so many problems in our culture today, by the way. Because fathers are not being fathers. They're not being husbands. and, And some are absent in the home. And when you remove a father figure from a home, you're going to have trouble. Because that's God's design. You know, mom, you can't be a dad. Now, I had a mom who kind of act like a dad. (laughs) My mom didn't play. Gertrude would tear you up like a dad. Say amen, fellas. I'm from the old school. I told you, I'm from the old school. I tear you up. Don't spank the kids. I, I, I just need to say this right now. I just need to say, this whole thing about don't spank the kids. I want to say it so bad it won't even come out. I mean, you might hurt their psyche. That's what they say. If you heard that, you might hurt their psyche. I say hurt the psyche. I tear that psyche up. Oh, I got your psyche all right. (laughs) Moms can't be, moms, you can't be a dad. Dads are important. The love of a father and the love of a son, a very special relationship. And I think the context here, saints, stay with me. I think the context of the love of the father and the love of the son and being mentioned first here, I think is because what we had before the foundation of the world, what we had in creation was God the father and God the son working in unity and harmony before there was ever anything created. What we had before the foundation of the world was the love of the father and the love of a son. And then we saw the love of the son come down to earth to be sacrificed for the sins of the world because he loved the world. So we have the first mention of the word love. God told Abraham, notice in our story, to offer his son 
And Abraham, the Bible says, look at verse 3. Abraham did what? He rose up early. You know, when I read the Bible, I'm one of those kind of people. Why did he rise up early? There has to be a reason why he rose up early. Well, I think he rose up early because he probably couldn't stop thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. And he probably, in a very practical way, rose up early because he wanted to get up before mom gets up. Because you know, a mom, she get up. What y'all doing? <laughs> Packing up like you're going camping and all that. And, and why are you taking my good knife out of this kitchen? <laughs> Abraham probably said, we need to circumvent that. At Isaac, let's get up. We got to go. See, y'all thought it was a real spiritual answer, didn't you? Just deep, man, just deep. And notice the Bible tells us he got his servants together. Are you getting this? He cut the wood for the burnt offering. He saddles his donkey and he took his son and he set out on a trip. And imagine with me, saints, in your mind's eye. Would you imagine with me? Matter of fact, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Abraham and Isaac and the servants are walking side by side to the place. And this is the moment of truth. Isaac is about 30 years old right now. He's a man. He's not a little boy. He's not a baby. And they're carrying the wood. Can you see that? They're carrying the fire up the mountain. They're carrying the knife. And it's probably a very awkward moment. As you could sense the silence and, and feel the tension as it mounts. And Isaac knew what was going on. But in a very silent way. They were in this thing together. It was at some point, at a certain point in the journey, that Abraham said to his servants, stay here, open your eyes. Abraham said to the servants, stay here. Why? Because Isaac, listen, Isaac and Abraham are going to a place where no man has gone before. Isaac and Abraham are going to a place that no other man can come. And the servants had to stand back and look at them go. Listen, the Bible's very clear. When Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross, you know who was there? Yeah, there were people there, but the only two people that I believe God saw there was God the Father and God the Son. Do you know that Jesus sacrificed on the cross? He had to do that alone. We couldn't go there. And the reason we couldn't go there, because the Bible says that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Somebody say amen. amen. And so they're going alone and they watch them walk in the distance. So Abraham says, stay here. And we, verse five, look at it, will go and worship and we will come back. Do you see it? As Abraham knew, notice he says, we're going to go worship and we're going to come back. Notice he didn't say, we're going to go have a praise and worship session and we're going to come back. He didn't say that we're going to go and get the praise team together and sing some songs and worship and come back. He says that we're going to go worship. And what Abraham meant in the context, the law of first mention, in the context of worship, worship means Surrender. Worship means sacrifice. Worship means atonement. Worship means the blood. 
we got to get this. Because we think worship is worship. And we think worship is, man, when the praise team is really playing. And, you know, I, I thought the praise team did great today. I was blessed. I mean, I was really, not that y'all don't always do great. Y'all do great all the time. But somebody help me say amen. I'm like, there you go. You know, I'm just, but they do great all the time. But they, it was great today. It was a blessing today. And they were all hitting everybody. was hitting the right thing. And it was beautiful. But can I tell you something? That's not worship per se in and of itself. Worship has everything to do with your life surrendered to God. Somebody need to hear me. Your wor- worship has everything to do with the sacrifice of your life. That's why I've told you, I can worship God. It doesn't matter. The worship team, look, we're all human. Everybody have whatever. If they're not, you know, it's not on point. Everything's on point. The worship's so good. Oh, man, it's lifted. Woo! Man, did you feel the worship? Woo! If worship's not like that, listen, Pastor Rodney will worship. I don't care if we worship the spoon. Somebody could be up here by him. And I'll be like, oh, praise him. Matter of fact, that's my ringtone, by the way. David Crowder, that's my ringtone. Because I understand that worship has very little to do with what happens on this stage. Worship has more to do with what I do after I leave this place. Worship has to do with what you do on Monday. Worship has to do with what you do at work on Tuesday. Worship has to do with what you do at school and how you live on Wednesday. Worship is an act of your life. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, present your body as a living, a living, not a dead one, but a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And then Paul goes on to say, you are with us, you know, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Because Paul's getting to the point that worship is about how you live and not what you sing. I'm going to wait. That's all right. And if we don't get this, then we will think and be deceived to believe that we are worshiping God because we're singing songs to God. That's why I believe Charles Stanley said, many people in the church have never worshiped God. Because they don't do it with their life. Worship speaks to sacrifice. And the Bible tells us, get this, they're on this, on the way. I got to move on. They're on the way. Up the Via Della Rosa is what that area will turn. Go to Israel with us. This will all make complete sense. They're headed up the Via Della Rosa, going to Calvary's Hill. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19 tells us, gives us insight as to what Abraham was thinking as he is about to offer his son as a sacrifice. Abraham, by faith, the Bible says, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God, get this, was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now think about this. Let me ask you a question. 
How many people have been resurrected from the dead in Abraham's day? Zero. None. There had never been a resurrection in Abraham's day. So God says, take now your son into the mountain and offer him as a burnt offering. And Abraham thought to himself, this must mean that God is going to raise him from the dead. Abraham got his mind around the resurrection before the resurrection was ever even talked about. How could he do that? Because he believed in the promise of God. God said, through Isaac, the world shall be blessed. Abraham believed that, which brought him to a logical conclusion that if God is saying, offer him as a sacrifice, then God must intend to raise him up. Somebody say amen if you understand that. So they're walking. Get the scene. Stay with me. They're walking. It's silent. Isaac finally breaks the silence. He says, Dad, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, but where is the lamb for an offering? Now again, saints, listen. The first time the word lamb is used in the Old Testament, again, as it relates to the sacrifice. The first time the word lamb. Get this. The first time the word lamb is used in the New Testament is when John saw Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 29. You will not find the word lamb used in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But you will find the first mention of the word lamb in the New Testament when John saw Jesus and he said, somebody help me. He said, behold the lamb of God. Don't you find it interesting? I do. The first time the word lamb is used in the New Testament answers Isaac's question from the Old Testament. Dad, where's the lamb? John says, right there, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. So then in verse 8, we got to move forward. There's so many things to say. Isaac said in verse 8, go ahead and look at it again. Where's the lamb? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Now listen, I generally don't prefer the King Jimmy version of the Bible. I read from the new King Jimmy, the new King James. But if you are reading the King James version of the Bible, it says God will provide himself a lamb. Anybody got the King James? Anybody got, does it say that my brother? Yes, it does. God will provide himself. Here in the New King Jimmy, it says that God will provide for himself. In this case, in this text, I like the King Jimmy better. Because I do think it's more accurate. God will provide himself. Don't you understand that God, the Son, Jesus Christ, provided himself as a sacrifice? Interesting. So in verse 9. Notice in verse 9 and 10, it almost reads, and I want you to get this, it's very important. It almost reads as an act that is kind of pointedly written out. Look at verse 9. Abraham built an altar. Secondly, Abraham placed the wood in order. And then what did he do? He bound Isaac, his son. And then he laid him on the altar. 
Then he stretched out his hand. Don't you get the sense that every act is breaking the heart of Abraham? Every act seems to be breaking the heart of Abraham. As Abraham probably looks at Isaac, listen, saints, he probably looks at Isaac with tears in his eyes. And he probably said, Isaac, God spoke to me. And he told me that you were the lamb. And he told me to bring you here. And he told me to offer you as a sacrifice. And you got to wonder what Isaac was thinking. Don't you find it interesting that there's no struggle here? Remember I told you that Isaac is about 30 years old and Abraham is about 125 years old. Hello? (laughs) Isaac could have resisted. Nah, I ain't doing that. Dad, you ain't big enough to make me. You're almost old. (laughs) You are old. You're 125. Isaac was probably a big strapping 30 year old who could take his father. You know, I remember one time Rodney Jr. and I were out out there, and you know, Rodney Rodney Jr. y'all, he's this this, and uh, so he's like, Dad, remember this? Dad, I, I can take you. I can take you. I, Dad, I can beat you up now. I can beat you up. Remember? You know how these boys get, fathers. Y'all know how it is. They think when they get a little bit of size, they can take you. I told him, I said, let me tell you something. I'm from Philly. <laughs> I said, let me tell you something. You ain't never going to be able to beat me. I'm talking to him. My face is in his navel. Let me tell you something right now. You ain't never going to be able to beat me. Because I, I got you right here. See, yeah, see this, this is where you got to get him. You got to get him right here. So he's like, Dad, I can pick you up. I can pick you. I can put you over my shoulders. I said, you can't pick me up. By the time I got up out, I was in the air, floundering like this here. I'm like, let me tell you, put me down right now. I only break one of your legs. Put me down right now. You know how these boys, they get big. And they think they can take you. But they don't know. I say, hey, don't let the size fool you. I said, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. See, I'm from Philly. Even if you can't beat them, act like you can you got to act like, yeah, I'll take you, I'll take you down, man. Please don't hit me. I'll take you down, man. Isaac could have resisted, but he didn't. He submitted to the will of the Father. Well, then notice verse 9 through 14. We're going to wrap it up. Then they came to the place. Look at verse 9. i got to read it again. Verse 9 through 14. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord. Saints, if you want to do a good Bible study, you follow the word but throughout all of Scripture. By grace you are saved. It's through the gift of God. You'll find in the word but in Ephesians chapter 2. You find that word that that man did this, but God did that. All the way throughout scripture, very, very interesting Bible study. But the angel of the Lord, which is a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Let me tell you, here's another interesting study. Whenever God says something twice, take note. Martha, Martha. You worry about too many things. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, I would have desired to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Abraham, Abraham, God said. 
And notice he said, I'm here. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. But now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And so Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, what saints? The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Stop right there. Give me your attention. The angel of the Lord called him and Abraham said, you've passed the test. The angel said, Abraham, you've passed the test. I know you fear God since you offered to God what was most precious to you. And then the angel said, turn around, Abraham, for God has provided a ram for the offering. And I'm sure that Abraham said, whew, that was a close call. And Abraham named the mountain. Did you get that? He named the mountain the Lord will provide or Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Man. You know, the Bible teaches, give me your attention, that God the Father sacrificed Jesus on the cross at the very same place that Abraham offered Isaac, Mount Calvary or Golgotha. As Jesus was taken, and the Bible says that the fire of God, burnt offering, the fire of God came down and was laid upon Jesus. Jesus was actually sacrificed for our sins. And think about this. The father, Abraham, could have stopped that at any moment. He could have decided, I don't want to obey God. I don't want to sacrifice my son. The father in heaven could have stopped the brutality against Jesus at any time. When they spit on Jesus and they pulled out his beard, the Bible says that God, the father, remained silent. When they planted a crown of thorns and they put it on his head, the father remained silent. When they whipped Jesus with the cat of nine tails, the father remained silent. When he heard his son cry out, Father, the father remained silent. He watched his son go through unimaginable pain and he remained silent. And the nails, and they crucified him. And he died. And the father remained silent. But listen, I'll tell you, when Jesus woke up on resurrection morning, the father didn't remain silent. Don't you know that the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is God's megaphone. Are you hearing me? To all of humanity for all time and eternity that the sacrifice of his son was acceptable, paid in full to die, And that God is who he said he was. The resurrection is a part of the gospel message. Don't leave it out. The resurrection is the hinge by which the door of Christianity swings. The resurrection is God's loud message to the world. That Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was sufficient, paid in full. Why did God do all that? Why did he do it? He did it for you. And he did it for me. And he did it so that, listen, we could become true worshipers. Jesus said to the woman at the well, 
He said, they that worship me must worship me in what? Spirit and in truth. Do you now get it? That Jesus was not talking about those who sing songs to me. He was not talking about those who lift up their hands and praise me. Jesus was talking about those worshipers who will live their lives for me, must live their lives for me in spirit and in truth. It is a life of surrender. It is a life of sacrifice. And it is a life of the blood. That's true worship. I can wait. You can clap your hands for Jesus. That's true worship. And notice, I'm going to wrap it up here. I'm going to wrap it up here. Look at verse 19. Just peruse it as Abraham, listen, he walked off the mountain. He returned home to Bathsheba with the young men. And notice, did you get this? There's no mention of Isaac. Where is Isaac? Isaac probably, Abraham probably said, Isaac, let's go, man. We're going to head on back and we'll chat about this on the way back. And Isaac probably said, Dad, I need a minute. <laughs> Could you just give me a It's a little bit unnerving. I tell you what, you guys go ahead. I'll take a cat. You guys go ahead. What is worship? Worship, listen. Yes, we can sing. Yes, we can sermonize. But true worship, the kind that God is looking for and the kind that God accepts, is my point is a life that is surrendered to Him. And if you're not surrendered to Him, you cannot worship Him. Because worship means sacrifice. Somebody who agrees, say amen. Amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.